Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Oh, Olivia, how are you? Weren't we blessed with the most wondrous weekend that we've just had? Honestly, like a moth to a flame, dying, dying to be with vitamin D, to be honest. Um, It was so, so lovely to the point that I felt almost surprised by how lovely it felt. Like, obviously, we all love a bit of sun. We all know that. But I think just the fact of being able to wear a light jacket or on Sunday, no jacket, just a long sleeve, quite thin top on a walk. (laughs) I I could not believe it. It just makes such a difference when all you can do is walk around. It was just... It was just such a green and pleasant land weekend, to be honest. It really was. I think, um, yeah, like you say, like it just means so much more in this, the year of our Lord 2021, to come out of this winter um, and like have a couple of really nice sunny days and just be able to be outside for like a long amount of time without being like, it's freezing, I need to go inside. Um, yeah, just completely stunning. I We went on the big like stomp in the countryside on Saturday, literally like in the, the wild, like <laughs> it was so nice in the moorland um but like there was like we kept going in these fields which were just like huge clumps of like boggy hay so you had to like step in on all the clumps and it was like such a like little adventure it was amazing but there was a point where we got to this like nice bit and we just like sat and like took in the took in god's own country and like we were it was like so quiet it was so peaceful so nice and i like (laughs) we got to the end and um adam adam was like oh um I was just thinking about how funny it would be to think of like if there was just a huge like string of people all sat like us all around this big like bowl and I was like okay I was like I was just like about to cry but fine (laughs) (laughs) I was like so overwhelmed by how nice it felt to like feel the sun on your skin to like be like have the air like feel hot like you know like nice oh my god and then yeah I just almost cried (laughs) which I don't know I haven't cried for like going on eight months so it was nearly there yeah honestly it was it was so real I think it was very very palpable this weekend and it's given everybody a little bit of a pep in their step and that is unsurprisingly my living for this week but what is your living for this week Lucy so aside from absolutely, obviously living for the weather as well, um, I am living for I've discovered this uh, Instagram account which I don't know if you follow actually but um called the Linden Archives, which is like an archive of a photographer who was a photographer for the gay times in the 90s and mainly like photographed like the northern gay scene. And it's just full of an absolute feast of like old gay queer parties and, you know, like old prides and stuff like that. And it's just so fun to scroll through uh, and see, um, you know, the the queers of past in Manchester and Liverpool and Leeds, et cetera, and stuff. It's really, really great. Um, and I would definitely recommend it as a follow for anyone. Um, it's There's a lot of like uh, wealth to be had from perusing the photos. So that's what I'm looking Oh, at. yeah, definitely. And I think because, you know, historically um, queer history was not kind of celebrated in the same way and only maybe in the last kind of couple of decades have we had that attention um put onto us and also just like historical documents and photographs are probably a lot a lot rarer um for obvious reasons so it's really nice when these things um are able to be celebrated i um 
read um, an interesting um, article in The Guardian a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's about this new book that is coming out. So um, it's a book of photography by um, a photographer called Joan E. Byron, um, known as J.E.B. And the book is called As Eye to Eye. And it is a book that um, recorded lesbian life in the 70s. So if you Google that article, you can go and look at some of the um, some of the pictures on there. And they are they are really, really beautiful. And it is it's it's quite like emotional to see historical photography um, depicting like queer love and relationships, because obviously for many reasons a lot of the time it was just so like shrouded in mystery or a sense of danger or shame or all of those things so it's really really refreshing and positive to be able to see stuff like that absolutely yeah that sounds really good that reminds me um that I also recently saw a book that's coming out soon or it might even already be out but no I think it's coming out soon which is called Gay Bar Why We Went Out which is by Jeremy Atherton Lynn um, and is basically a transatlantic tour of the hangouts that marked this author's life with each club pub and dive revealing itself to be a pamphlet set of queer history history and I just think so great that there are so many of these books um, available to us and more and more coming out and um, yeah just love to like sit in the history of queerness and see loads of different aspects and views of like how people have lived through queer spaces definitely fun yeah and I I would like to think I've been thinking about this a lot I would like to think that post-pandemic actually there will be um a newfound sort of sense of reverence and respect for keeping these spaces alive and actually like cultivating new spaces because I think probably um in the sort of don't know like from from 2010 onwards maybe there was like this sense of decline um of these spaces as kind of like dating apps took off and all various things like that but then um I felt like it was sort of starting to gather momentum again and there was a lot there's a lot more of a sense of like community and DIY culture than there had been since like the 90s and then obviously before that could like really get going the pandemic hit so I'm just wondering whether we'll see like a bit of a return to old school ways of um forming communities and um socializing um in queer spaces I would really like to think that they'll just be like 9,000 new queer venues that pop up because people will actually want to engage with each other in real life I don't know if it'll happen but I feel like I feel like it would make sense yeah the, the the potential is definitely there obviously um I think a lot of it will depend on like I mean there are a bunch of like you say DIY spaces were sort of starting to become more of a thing again um in the past I say five years or so um it's just like a case of how many of those are like still exist post pandemic or um but a lot of people are are keen to support those spaces and stuff and it's really important that we do support them um and yeah I I'm also very excited for what that could potentially look like um in the coming years hopefully there'll be many 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 places for us to go we'll be we'll be overloaded with choices stunning cannot wait and on the subject of events um it's been a rare thing for us to be able to talk about um any events but obviously with the announcements of the last couple of weeks we hope that things might be opening up towards um the latter end of the year or whatever that looks like but for now I wanted to mention um a couple of 
virtual events is kind of maybe a bit of a bridger between now and then. I don't know how um, our listeners are feeling about this, but I definitely feel in a lot of different minds about the thought of things like opening up again. And obviously I'm not an epidemiologist and whatever. And I know that everybody has different attitudes to this, but there's a part of me that thinks that like, even if everything is like a hundred percent safe, and I know it is, say, theoretically, can I imagine myself like in a club feeling completely fine? I don't know. Like how mm, I'm probably going to need to go into some like intense training to get to that point, because just the idea of it just feels so anathema to me at the moment, um, which will probably change again. But it's just such a weird thing to think about now that we're like being faced with just the potential of that and like clubs are announcing their like back to business dates and things are starting to feel a bit more real yeah I um obviously we've had these sort of like guideline dates posted by our government and stuff and um whilst like I think it's great that everyone uh feels some hope and stuff and I would never want to take that from anybody I will I mean as as I like to say the proof is in the progress and like I'll believe it when you know things are actually happening and it is safe to do those things um yeah I found the like I get why clubs and stuff are being like yeah see you on the 26th of June or whatever of course they are like they have to do that like that makes absolute sense but it does seem wild to me to think that we would actually be there I think like I think that I think that it's uh, perfectly healthy for us to have a huge dose of skepticism um, in terms of dates of when things will actually happen, considering what has gone on uh, since the beginning of the pan- pandemic concerning how our government's handled this. So uh, I think it's like quite dangerous to actually just put like a date on it. And I don't know why they haven't gone by the rhetoric of like the metric, sorry, of like when we reach X then x will happen as opposed to this date then this date i think it's like not the right way to do it personally but i uh, i do think it's nice to have the hope and i do think that by like the sort of lap of the year we will be able to do some more things that we can do now um at, at least and i think the summer will be you know maybe like some sort of things will happen and that is that's that's all i can i, I can't i just can't really uh I can't really make myself think about the actual potential of things because of the thought that they won't actually happen. And I think that that's perfectly natural considering how things have uh, panned out. So yeah. Um, But yeah, hopefully fingers crossed we'll be doing some things. And yeah, I agree that, I mean, I, I agree that it will feel weird. I think I'm I'm like a bit more like ready for it, like not maybe as apprehensive, but I will be happy to put you through a rigorous training program to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> just playing ritual on repeat to get me in the mood to party <laughs> ritual and ring of fire <laughs> oh god Do you know what i saw um on my like time hop thing the other day it was from our the night out of last year and it was when we went to gay and then i was like texting the, the tellies to like get them to play ritual um and we were like taking pictures of it when it came up on the screen. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, to be so young and free texting tellies. 
I know. So from past events to the thought of future events to um, online events, Lucy. So I've got a couple of events um, that are Manchester based, but obviously with the beauty of Zoom and the internet, you can access this from wherever you are. And a couple of things that I wanted to let people know about. So the first one is happening this Saturday and it's called Suffragette City 2021. It's on Saturday, the 6th of March, and it starts at midday until midnight. And it's a live stream fundraiser which is celebrating international women's week um through a coming together of women in manchester music so um names that you will um be familiar with um also um mick stress who was a guest on our live show last year will also be playing and it's going to be like a 12 hour live stream of different dj sets um from across manchester so that should be fun to go to if you want to have a little living room party then get involved in that and then the second thing that i wanted to mention um was that queer contact is back this year so it's going to be an online event and it's starting on Thursday the 29th of April until Saturday the 1st of May and it is four days exploring LGBT plus cultures past present and future and it's going to be cabaret acts dance parties um Cheddar Gorgeous um star of Channel 4's Drag SOS will be hosting an interactive um, cabaret. There's going to be um, a party with Rebecca Neverbecky, Mixed Dress, and um, Russell T. Davis is also going to join um, the It's a Sin actor Nathaniel Hall to discuss portrayals of HIV and AIDS um, on stage and screen, and loads, loads more. So it sounds like it's going to be um, a really good couple of days. So I would encourage you to sign up for that and. Um, it just feels nice to be going to a queer event, even if it's through the computer. So um, just wanted to let you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, as we always say, we love an event. And um, I've actually, um, you know, I miss proper live events a lot, but um, I also quite enjoy a virtual event. I like that you can sit in a not uncomfortable chair. I like that you can like go grab some snacks whenever you want them, you know, whatever. So I've attended a few sort of like seminar, webinar things and stuff and like, um, Actually, it's quite nice to do them from home in some ways. I mean, obviously, we would love to be out there feeling it all. But um, yeah, no, those sound really good. I will definitely be attending. So Olivia, I know we've got a lot of recommendations to get through this week. So we need to get cracking. Um, First up, we had our first book club of our mates, didn't we? Which I mentioned on the pod a few weeks ago that I was longing for. Um, We read Boy Parts by Eliza Clark, um, and it was an all-round rip-roaring success. Everybody devoured this book, loved it loads, and we had loads and loads of great chat about it, um, which we can, you know, divulge to you now. Obviously not the whole thing that we talked about, but um, yeah, what did you think of the book? Let the readers know. Readers? When you say... Listeners. (laughs) when you say everybody um just as an explainer we have the book club so that is that was the first book for the book club this year um lucy is very kindly heading up the book club as the miss honey of the piece and we are on book two at the moment but yeah it went down really well and i just love a book that centers a malevolent female character absolutely and um I love a book that centers an unreliable narrator. So 
I it's a yes lo- from me. love an unreliable narrator. I don't know why that is so satisfying, but it really is. I know some people really dislike it, but um, as like a, a form in like uh, writing, but I, I love it. I love like, you know, not knowing if you, what you're reading is definitely true or what's going to happen or, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, this book is um, like in one word chaotic um, and is very sort of, um, I would I wouldn't want to like give anything away you know I wouldn't want to give any spoilers because I think it should be read and it's very readable it's very funny it contains some incredibly funny lines um and sort of imagery especially for I think we all agreed like um people of our sort of generation as it were um it's one to, one to read for sure yeah and I think that if you were in your late teens early 20s between the years of say like 2007 to 2013 then this is the book for you it will catapult you back to that time of your life in an incredibly visceral way and I always think it's I always love now that maybe it's just because we're getting old but that like when our not not sort of period but you know like obviously something like so obviously something like Stranger Things which is so firmly rooted in that like 80s aesthetic I feel like the kind of like aesthetic of the like 2010s and things like that the more sort of recent years are kind of being pulled into focus a lot more because it's very hard to like have that perspective on something that's just happened but now I feel like just enough time has passed where we can see it as this like retrospective thing and on one second it's like oh my god like I can't believe that I was at uni 13 years ago but also on the other hand it's like really interesting and quite nice to look back at that particular snapshot in time and to know that like you were a part of that at that specific juncture and that's what this book um does really really well it's very very nostalgic if you're in your early 30s for like that very particular maybe five to seven years where things were like that Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah, it is a combined sort of like horror and nostalgia that uh, that that period of time is something that can be looked back on. (laughs) But um, yeah, I do. I do love to be nostalgic. So um, yeah, definitely recommend that. It's a really great book. um, And yeah, I would recommend everyone to read it. Um, Have you read anything else, Olivia? I recently finished. um, It's a book that, you know, you're a fan of something and you think, that you're so much a fan of something that you have read, consumed, watched the thing, and then you realise that you haven't. Um, And I had this with um, Hunger by Roxane Gay. I had thought for years that I had read this book, and then I realised that I had not. So I ordered it immediately and then read it in one day. I know that feeling. Um, I love Roxane Gay. Yeah, it's probably like um, a single word in German, you know, how they like have really good words for like feelings so we can look that up but um it is a memoir um by Roxane Gay who if you don't know wrote Bad Feminist which is probably their most famous um piece of work and it is a memoir all about how Roxane Gay talks about living in a body that she describes as undisciplined or unruly and um It's about how she links that back to um, a trauma that she suffered when she was raped by a group of um, teenage boys when she herself was a child. And um, it's about the events that have 
it's about the events that have followed um, after that trauma. And um, it's sort of part memoir, part sort of collection of essays, um, part comment on misogyny, rape culture, diet culture, um, shame. And I think that, you know, whilst you might not be able to relate to every aspect of what Roxanne's experience is, everything in this book is just pulled into such um, sharp focus that it's just really, really affecting. And um, she is such a powerful writer. So I would highly recommend that you um that you read this and she just has a way of um being quite stark and honest in a way that's just really undeniable and um yeah I think that she just has such a skill as, as a writer I really admire her so I would definitely um read that if you're interested in exploring any of those um any of those topics it's a really good book yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel the same in, in the way that like, uh, it's a book I felt like I've read, but I haven't, which is like, I don't know. Yeah, that is a strange feeling. Um, but uh, I will definitely be borrowing that from you because it's been on my list for a very, very long time. Um, and yeah, I love, I mean, I've read a lot of stuff that Roxanne Gay has written. And yeah, like you said, she writes with like a really frank power that is um, very uh, hard to, hard to not hard to ignore when you're reading it so yeah that's that's a great record and how about you have you read anything in the past week well actually I have read two very queer very stunning books so I will tell you about them um <laughs> so the first book I read was um People in Trouble by Sarah Shulman um which is it's basically a book that's about like sort of about a marriage about an affair like a love triangle but it's like set amidst the like AIDS crisis in New York in the 80s um Sarah Shulman herself was like an early member of ACT UP so her writing is really full of like really like raw like realism and like small little details about how life was for queer people during the height of the sort of AIDS crisis in New York um that it it's it's like paints a really vivid picture this book um so and it's 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 like takes place as like a, a married couple a man and a woman and this is not really a spoiler this happens right at the beginning so um and the married woman is having an affair with a younger woman and the young woman is very like embedded in the queer culture very like part of everything that's going on and this older woman is like coming to terms with her sort of like queerness at like a an older age so there's like a uh, or at, at a stage that maybe you wouldn't expect to be reassessing like what's going on um, with your sexuality. So it, it deals with that quite well. Um, but like more than anything, it's a book about like the difference between like being someone who's so weaved into the fabric of being queer because you have to be as like a queer person um, and somebody and people. Uh, yeah, so so you're, you're so you're so deep in it it's so part of you that you can't not do something about what's going on about like issues within your community and that like versus being complicit in not doing anything because you don't have to you've got privilege but reaping the rewards of the marginalized group of people anyway so like um it's really well uh 
I thought I'd read this one little passage just really quickly, which really like puts that into like focus of of what I'm talking about and what what Sarah Shulman's talking about. So Kate is the name of the married woman um, and Molly is the name of the woman she's having an affair with, the very queer woman. So, So this is Kate speaking. I don't think we're as far apart as you say, Kate tells Molly at one point. I mean, when the shit comes down, we'll both be on the same side of the barricades. The shit is already down, Molly replies. I mean, when people are dying in the streets. Kate, people are dying in the streets. And that is just like, puts it very eloquently the way that Sarah Shulman wants to talk about this, like, you know, disparity between people and how they approach things. It's a really, really good book. I would definitely recommend it. Um, really shockingly, I found out today that like, it was out of print for ages. So I think it's from like the eighties, um, uh, but it was like out of print for 10 plus years which is just wild because it's a very good book and I think an important book um so yeah that is the first queer book I've read I would definitely recommend it and then I followed that up with um reading Outlawed which is the book that I mentioned I think on the last podcast that I was longing to read which was about a like uh, it's like a feminist retelling of like a wild west uh story but actually it's like a lot more queer than i expected i think i just expected it to be quite sort of feminist um but it has a basically it's set in like a wild west situation where women are like outcast if they're barren um and our main character is barren and she gets sent off to a convent but then eventually goes and joins this like gang and this gang is just full of loads of queer characters and they all like live in this essentially queer commune um and they're just all together fighting the the law and the patriarchy um and yeah it's, it's really good it's like a really nice like great world like alternate history to sit in um and it plays with the the idea of like queerness in the west really well um and obviously as we all know i want to be a cowboy so it was a very good book for me to read <laughs> Yeah, no, like I was saying to you the other day, you've got to watch Godless on Netflix because I have started watching that and it is very, I mean, it's not as queer as that book, but there's definitely um, some readings can be done um, from it. So um, I think it's a couple of years old. Um, There's maybe a couple of series of it, but I'd never heard of it before, but um, my girlfriend's sister recommended it to us and it is very the wild west and you will love it yeah that sounds very good i will Mm -hmm. it is on my list after you gave it such a rousing review to me the other day on text um is there anything else you've been watching yes so i watched the new amazon prime film i care a lot um starring rosamund pike as um malevolent lesbian old people killer and um I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so yes, you know how we love to see um, a, malevol- a malevolent um, female lead. Rosamund Pike is every inch this. And if you want bisexual bobs, if you want vaping, if you want murder, if you want Peter Dinklage, then all of these things are in this film and you'll not be disappointed. Um, she plays such a great... Um, rendering of an evil person um but also it is kind of not just like straightforward evil it's like um 
what I think I think this character feels justified in doing what she needs to do to get the life that she feels that she um, deserves and believes is very money and power hungry and believes that the only reason that there are poor people is because um, the rich are just like not giving up the secret that you can just do whatever you want and get away with it basically um, and that's what that's what the film kind of that's what the film kind of explores and um she is in a relationship with um another woman in the in the film and i think that um you know even though these characters are completely despicable doing really despicable things um robbing elderly people of um all of their money um what it does do is depict a queer relationship which is based on a lot of love and mutual respect um in a sense it's not unproblematic but I thought that that was that was an interesting and quite refreshing way of doing it and I also quite like when um queer people get the chance to be evil rather than having evil foisted upon them so um I thought that was kind of refreshing in a sense as well because as I always say to you we can be and do all things so um I thought that was quite nice and it's just like quite entertaining and um, interesting so I would definitely recommend it there are some looks Rosamond is not pulling any punches she has got a gorgeous bob so many gorgeous pantsuits and if you are kind of thinking about what your post-lockdown aesthetic might be if when you go back into the office you need look no further than I care a lot because you will be getting so much sartorial inspiration so I would definitely recommend watching it it is um yeah just a real mix like it sort of it ticks a lot of those boxes shall we say um but I'd be interested for you to watch it and sort of see what your take is on how the queer characters are represented in the film because I think it's like even though they are quite evil characters I feel like in a sense it's quite positive because it doesn't rely on a lot of stereotypes um so yeah watch it see what you think and I will be looking forward to your review as well Yes, I must apologise to both you and the listeners that I did not manage to get this watched um, before this recording, um, but I do intend to watch it. Um, and I, I've read a couple, well, I've seen a couple tweets and stuff about the representation, so I am very uh, interested to watch it and uh, feedback my thoughts as well. But like you say, yeah. we do love to see having, you know, queers being all types of person. That's the representation we want. We want to be good and we want to be evil. <laughs> Exactly. And after you've after you've watched it, watch um the Trixie and Katia Queens Who Like to Watch um YouTube video where they watch it because that is probably just as good as watching the film, if not better. <laughs> okay, I will, definitely. Good, good rec. And now it's time to go from things we've watched to things we have been listening to. What is your track of the week, Olivia? Well, my track of the week on the subject of Trixie is Trixie's new song, which is a cover of Blister in the Sun, um, originally by the Violent Femmes. And I don't know if you've seen the video, but oh my God, Trixie looks amazing. It's very like Barbarella, sort of Austin Powers vibes. And she just looks absolutely beautiful. And it's a really sort of fun, summery, 
um, track to get us in the mood for all this gorgeous weather that we're having. So I too would like to blister in the sun and have a gorgeous time. Um, so yeah, that is my track of the week this week. What is yours, Lucy? That sounds really great. I love the original uh, Blister in the Sun, so I will definitely be checking that out. Um, my track of the week is from Manchester's very own Pale Waves. Um, they have released a new track called You Don't Own Me, um, and it's just proper like pop punky, uh, irreverent song. It sounds so good when you're walking along in the sun, which I was doing yesterday. And I it very similarly was like, this is a great song for the up and coming warmer weather <laughs> and uh, spring slash summer 2021 so yeah that is my track of the week so from things we love to hear to things that we really don't want to have to talk about but we feel like we should inform you it's time for i don't agree with it olivia another week another turn about the sun seven times or however science works <laughs> what do you not agree with this week <laughs> Well, I was inspired by all of your food. I don't agree with it. And then I saw something on Instagram that gave me a rather visceral reaction. But um, I'm using you as my litmus test to like work out whether um, my feelings towards it, which, spoiler alert, are negative, um, are justified. And I don't know if they are or they're not. Um, but I was just like, oh, it, it, it's annoying to me. So my I don't agree with it this week is when people call pasta or spaghetti noodles right yeah i know what you mean um i don't mind it that much because i i guess i don't i i i see where you're coming from i understand this but i guess i don't mind it because like pasta is noodles <laughs> like pasta came from uh like colonial explorers finding Asia and finding noodles and then taking them back to Italy. So like pasta is noodles. So. <laughs> but is, is pasta noodles or was pasta inspired by noodles? <laughs> pasta inspired by noodles. <laughs> They're like the same thing though. Like a wheat, a wheat noodle and a bit of spaghetti is, is, is essentially the same thing just made up of like wheat from different places essentially and like you can like I have in the past used spaghetti to make like a noodley dish when I don't have any noodles in specific noodles in so yeah yeah I would I could do that if I didn't have anything in for like a ramen but I just think why say noodle when it's like not a noodle yeah yeah, yeah you can use them interchangeably in recipes like if you need to but spaghetti is not a noodle and noodle is not spaghetti in my opinion in my uneducated opinion so <laughs> I, I i totally get i totally get that um why that would be a thing that's like oh don't call it noodles what what i don't agree with is when they do when they when they call like not even like the noodle shaped noodles noodles yeah so like, yeah, it's like macaroni and they'll yeah, be like put the yeah, noodles in the yeah. pot no i i don't like that even more which was my that probably yeah. like nth degree of this yeah um yeah because at least like physically there's a physical resemblance between a noodle and you know a bit of spaghetti but not with like a few silly like are you joking much you like the previous podcast i'm morally opposed well 
here we go another our, all our morals always come back to pasta <laughs> that's where we stand our ethics really come to come to light via the medium of pasta yeah that makes a lot of sense to me um so that is my i don't agree with it um for this week get in touch with me you know if you know anything about that but um i just find it annoying when we know what pasta is and we know what noodles are so just like call it the thing that it is thank you and good night what is your i don't agree with it this week lucy well i'm very hungry now so <laughs> i don't agree with the fact that i'm very hungry noodles and i'm gonna I'm going to go have some noodles. I'm not sure what kind, but I'll let you know. Um, But uh, what I don't agree with is (laughs) as somebody who has um, recently restarted working um, from home in a job. um, And uh, as you know, I'm sure you can attest to as someone who has worked this whole time. um, I don't agree with having to work from home and having such terrible chair situations i don't know if everyone is like this but i think a lot of people will have had this where they've started to have to work from home and they don't have like a good desk chair or anything like that i have already got sciatica from one whole week of sitting in this stupid chair which is just like a plastic chair um because i don't have another chair because usually those are things that are paid for by your workplace uh in your workplace so um i don't agree with the fact that i am going to have to fork out for my own comfortable chair to make sure that I don't get even more back pain than I already have. So oh, I guess what I don't agree with is aging. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's it a very basic so, one. But it's so it's so uncomfortable. I'm like in the process after like nearly a year of working from home trying to get a chair through work. And let me tell you that working on a plastic molded chair is not the one when you're so get yourself a chair sap rocky can i tell you what my absolute favorite thing in the world to do is yes <laughs> i'm surprised you haven't already <laughs> it's, it's a new thing that i've just been like developing recently yeah yeah um so it's basically about me like finding my voice as an independent driver oh, and yeah. um what i do to like feel empowered on the roads as a woman and as a as a person is I have noticed that a lot of people like to take advantage take the absolute piss they do and I, they do as you know as a rule um you know drive out when you're driving towards them take their lives and yours literally in their own hands and just try and see what they can get away with and if you will be like spooked into submission basically yeah, absolutely and I don't agree with it and this can be my I don't agree with it if you want but um what I do to like feel empowered and it just really helps me is you know you know the bit you know the song in Hamilton where it's the like um where it's the woman who like has no money and then he has the affair with her and stuff yeah and the no to this song yeah so what I do for like any person who is like trying to cut me up or trying to like piss me off on the roads I just um wind my window down a little bit and go no sir <laughs> oh my god that's the most perfect thing i've ever heard <laughs> no <And> sir <laughs> it's, it's so it's so cathartic just to sing no sir and it's yeah. always so oh no my god I, 
I might take that on board because I tend to just go like do a big like swear and be like like fuck you I fucking hate you kind of that, that that makes that makes you angry and stressed for your personal drive and you shouldn't have uh, to feel like yeah, that. Yeah, whereas yeah, yeah, yours is more just cathartic, get out there and then you feel great because you've done a bit of nice singing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I would highly recommend it as just like a self-care exercise when in the car. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> so good. Um... <laughs> no, sir. no, sir. You're very good at that. You get that exactly right. Yeah. It's always like a BMW trying to like it, encroach it is always um, a bmw <laughs> they are the worst like, they say that that's what people say and it's true <laughs> yeah it, it is kind of true um and it's really enjoyable and not just for me but for other people who might be in the car yeah absolutely i tend to either really like loudly swear or i go like oh okay yeah you just do whatever you want then <laughs> like that oh yeah like, I, do I do a bit of that yeah yeah <laughs> feeling a bit like that are we today <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> when someone doesn't indicate in front of me I'm like oh right okay <laughs> yeah, I always go oh because you wouldn't want to indicate would you <laughs> god. oh my god we've this hit, is 31 we've, we've hit, we've hit, hit it yeah, is, hit it's it. coming upon you and it's not letting up for anything shit shit <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Right. <laughs> you to 31. No, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. I will be turning 30 again this year. So I was I was thinking maybe what we could do is um mix it up a bit and if we ever didn't want to have I don't agree with it, boy, or if he ever like tries to sue us, we could replace it with something which is uh probably nine thousand times more like copyright fragile and we could just do the no sir from hamilton yeah okay if it comes to it if if um if curly head boy with beanie finds us um and shuts us down then we know where to turn (laughs) i was thinking the other day like imagine if he ever finds out like how much would your mind be blown to know that you're like it's like a like a recurring sting on like 85 podcasts it's just (laughs) a bit weird isn't it I would love it. I would love him to find out, like, in a way. We could have him as a guest. Yeah, I mean, just, maybe... We could just ask him questions and everything we ask him, he could just say, I don't agree with it. Maybe we could do, like, a mini-series where... We try we to do find a him. podcast about trying to track him down, yeah. That's, like, my documentary I want to make about finding the painter of Joanna. Well, yeah, so there's so many mini-series that so need mini-series. to be done. Um, Our podcast empire is growing by the minute. We could call it You, Me, and the Wheatie Gang. <laughs> so good. <laughs> oh, big up Wheatie Gang. Oh. <laughs> right. Anyway, okay, well, so we've done the podcast then, yeah? That's, that's enough. And now for somebody who is less likely to sit on a chair and more like a throne, because she is our queen, it is, and it could be, no other. It's time for... Celine Watch. 
so this week, Lucy, I'm giving you something a little bit different for Celine Watch. So I hope Ooh. that you're ready for this. Um, it's not really Celine hard news. It's more sort of adjacent materials. And um, it's a really, really nice article that I read um, in Vice by a writer called Vincent Desmond. And... Um, I'll get in the show notes, or you will, because you're editing it this week, but um, it is um, called What Feels Nigerian But Isn't Really Nigerian, Celine Dion. So basically, this article is about how for decades, Celine Dion has been really, really popular in Nigeria. And um, it came, this whole thing came as the result of, you know, on Twitter where, or on TikTok, they do those like trends where it's like, what is like sorry those trends that's like what feels like this but isn't really this and then the topic of um Celine Dion and Nigeria came up so I wanted to read um from one excerpt from the article and it's just like a really nice ode to Celine Dion and how much she means to so many people intergenerationally across Nigeria By the 2000s, Celine Dion was basically the queen of Nigerian airwaves. It was impossible to watch TV or listen to the radio without hearing her music, either on adverts or in Nollywood films featuring heartthrobs like Genevieve Najali and Ramsey Noor. Celine's music hit a sweet spot. It had lyrics that teenagers could use to woo their crushes. It was clean enough that parents would let their kids listen. It was emotional enough for romantics to get into it, And there was something almost holy about it that made it sound like it was gospel music. There was nothing to hate and everything to love. So that is um, an ode to Celine Dion's influence um, over a lot of people in Nigeria. And it goes on to speak to loads of different been affected by um, her music days and how her music has helped people and how it's made people um woo their significant others through the power of um Slidion's, um undeniable ballads and um yeah it, it was just something a bit different for Celine watch this week and it's just a really really nice essay so um we can link it and I would urge you to um go and check that out as I said it was on vice that sounds absolutely lovely. What um, a way to round out this episode um, with a lovely, lovely ode to our one and only uh, Celine Dion. Um, she really does light up our lives and those of many, many others, which is just really nice to hear. And it's lovely to see a nice dedication to her. Um, so that is it for this week. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can on Instagram, on Twitter. We're at Queer Longing. We also now, as we mentioned last week, have moved hosts to Anchor and you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm forward slash queer longing um, and when you're there you can leave us a little voice message who knows you too could be on this podcast wouldn't that be a dream come true um, and whilst we sit back and bask in the sun as it streams through our windows and we sit on our very uncomfortable chairs we will be loving you leaving you and longing for you until next time bye Bye. God, so <sighs> I just wish I could think of better ways to link the orange board, but no one really cares, so <laughs> just do it. Right.
And whilst we do this, we also do this. (laughs) And whilst we care a lot about watching films, we also care a lot about listening to music. What's your track of the week? 